Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, August 1st, 2021. It focuses on God's desire for us to abound in love for each other. The message to all who will listen is Jesus will help us to keep from sin in our own lives and to not lead others into sin. Now here is guest preacher Roy Haynes. Awesome, wonderful God. There is no one else like you. Uh, you alone are God. You're the one that we can trust. You're the one who will see us through anything that we go through. You're the one who sees us where we are, as we are. Yet you love us, and you love us enough that you're going to uh, call us to be yours and, and, and change our hearts uh, to where we're more like Jesus. I pray that your spirit would be with each of us today. You know each need. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be with each of your people, that uh, we would trust in you. And Lord, I, I pray that somehow we might be a help to those around us who don't know you. I pray that your spirit would be near. Thank you for your tremendous love. Lord, please meet each need in this congregation today. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read from uh, Mark, the 14th chapter, verses uh, 22 through 24. While they were eating... Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they drank from it. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, these are perspectives that we really need to remember each time we come before God. And these are the things that we need to really kind of have in mind as we look at today's message. Out of the furnaces of war come many true stories of sacrificial friendship. One such story tells of two friends in World War I who were inseparable. They enlisted together, they trained together, they shipped overseas together, they fought side by side in the trenches together. During an attack, one of the men was critically wounded in a field filled with barbed wire obstacles. He was unable to crawl back to his foxhole. The entire area was under a withering enemy crossfire, machine guns blazing everywhere. And it was suicidal to try to reach him. Yet his friend decided to try. Before he could get out of his trench, his sergeant yanked him back down inside and ordered him not to go. It's too late. You can't do him any good, and you'll only get yourself killed. A few minutes later, the officer turned his back, and instantly the man was gone after his friend. 
A few minutes after that, he staggered back, mortally wounded with his friend, now dead in his arms. The sergeant was both angry and deeply moved. What a waste, he blurted out. He's dead, and you're dying. It just wasn't worth it. Almost with his last breath, the dying man replied, Oh, yes, it was, Sarge. When I got to him, the only thing he said was, I knew you'd come, Jim. That's pretty much a picture of this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi, a church he had planted at the cost of a severe beating and a half a night in stocks. This letter appears to have been written in response to a generous gift sent from the church to Paul to help ease his troubles while he was in prison. This wasn't the first time the Philippian church had sent him aid. I believe that this particular letter was, was a gift, the best gift that Paul had to give them for the help and encouragement that their act of caring had brought to him. Well, in the last couple of messages that I've shared on Philippians, we looked at Paul's introduction to this letter. Today, we will look at Paul's sort of opening blessing for this group of beloved believers. Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. Now, we're going to focus today on verses 3 through 11, but I'm going to go ahead and start with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I call this letter, Paul's book of joy. Paul uses the word joy five times and the word rejoice six times in this short book. That says says something about this relationship. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why such fondness? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
This sounds like a, a, a proud father whose child has not only chosen to follow him in the family business, but excels in it. This was a child who got it right, and it brought Paul such joy at every memory. I have a feeling God feels the very same way when his children, when we get it right, and for the long run, we stick with him through thick and thin. I find myself constantly concerned about my children. Are they getting it right? Are they hanging in there with God? Remember Job? Uh, the one who went through all that trouble. The Bible tells us uh, about Job. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps one of my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular, pra regular custom. I offer up prayers for my children and grandchildren each day along with prayers for those people who may have a major influence on them, whether for good or for bad. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ, Jesus. People can fail and sometimes betray our trust. Paul's confidence was not in the Philippian church's ability to weather the storm. His confidence was in, in God. Who could calm the storm or see them through the storm? So often people lose faith in God because he doesn't seem to answer prayers in the way that we think he should. Often we, we pray for the healing of a friend or a family member and that person ends up dying. Did God fail us? From our perspective, he seems to have, but is our understanding of things always right? Even after Jesus had been with his disciples for three years, they still did not understand. They were devastated when Jesus died on the cross. Everything that they thought was right just died right there in front of them. But Sunday morning came around, and the tomb of Jesus was empty. Jesus beat death and rose again. He did that for you and for me. God has something much better in mind. Paul trusted that God was able to see the Philippian church through any trial and bring them safely into his kingdom right on schedule. We often carry such burdens for our children, for our loved ones, and, and sometimes for ourselves. The God Paul trusted to take care of the churches he invested his life into also is the God that we can trust in the same way for those who we love and to get us through too. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus.
Have you ever wanted to tell someone something really important, maybe even a little hard to take? I wondered why Paul would repeat the affirmation of his love for the Philippian church. I believe Paul had some tough things to share with the church, and he wanted them to be ready to hear it, to hear him out. Here is one of those tough things. Often we feel that if we seek to please God, then all things will go really well for us. All our problems will be taken care of. Were things going really well for Paul? No. At the writing of this letter, Paul was in prison for preaching Jesus. He wanted them to know that in spite of his present circumstances, God was still in control. I'm not sure how you feel, but I see many things in our country going on right now that can have a direct effect on us and our loved ones. There is an ever-growing possibility that somehow Christianity may soon come under direct fire from our government. That was something the Philippian church was born into, and it is something our brothers and sisters around the world face today, and sometimes every day. Paul would have loved to be free to roam and spread the gospel of Jesus, but he was under fire. He knew the Philippian church was under fire as well, and he wanted them to know that he thought of them and prayed for them in their trials, and that those trials made him and them partners together with him in the gospel of Jesus and partners in God's grace as well. God was able to see them through just as God was seeing Paul through. No matter what you or I face for Jesus, we are partners in the battle and we share in God's grace. God is able to see us through the bad times as well as the good. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. The first part of Paul's prayer for the Philippian church is that their love would abound more and more. How important is it for our love to grow more and more and to overflow and spill all over everybody around us? Jesus gave his disciples a command in John 13. Please um, open your Bible and look at John, the 13th chapter. We always need to be totally reminded of this, this command that Jesus gave. John 13. We're going to look at verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm going to repeat that. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
do we want our church to be truly identified with the Jesus of the Bible? Then we must love one another. Not just in words, though words are are good, but also in thoughts and in actions. Maybe you have something against another person in this church or another Christian somewhere. How are you dealing with that? Far too often we get stuck on the problem with that other person and never get beyond it. How about our actions? Are we really acting like we love that person, even if we or a person we care about has been offended by them in some way or other? You don't have to feel loving toward a person to act like you love them. Feelings can follow actions. We might want to note, if we fail to love our fellow Christians, this is just a possibility, any person who notices that unloving, unforgiving spirit can rightly say, we are not Jesus' disciples. Perhaps we ought to think about that. So what causes our love to abound more and more? Knowledge, for one thing. This basically speaks of knowing God on a deeper level. The more we know God, the more our love for him will grow. As a result, the more we will automatically love others. I know a person who who came home from a busy day, put the kids to bed, and then he and his wife just sort of wearily crashed on their couch. There was only one light on in the house, and that was over the kitchen sink. And the kitchen sink was piled high with dirty dishes. The husband thought, I ought to go start those dishes for my wife. But he was just too tired and remained slouched on the couch. Then he remembered something that God had done for him that day, and he began to to praise and thank God for it. The next thing he knew, he was at the kitchen sink beginning to work on those dishes. He didn't even remember getting up and walking over there. The automatic response to worshiping God was to do something for another even in the midst of weariness. Deeper insight is another way that our love abounds more and more. Our friend Webster, you know, the dictionary guy, uh, says insight is the power, the act, or the result of seeing into a situation. He includes the word penetration there. The word penetrate gives depth to this word. Insight doesn't come from just a casual observation, but from a delving deeper into the subject. The more we look into God, the more our love will abound. So abounding love comes from really exploring God and experiencing God. That leads to being able to to discern what is best. Friend Webster says, to discern is to detect with the eyes, 
to distinguish, to come to know or recognize mentally. My Greek lexicon says the word means to test, as in assaying metal like gold or silver, to prove, to try, to examine, to scrutinize, to decide upon after examination. Discernment calls us to not just float through life, but to examine life, the life that we're living. Do the things that occupy our attention pass the test when we compare them with what we have learned about God? If not, what changes do we need to make? We are not only able to discern what is best, but we are able to choose what is best so that we can be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Webster says the word pure means unmixed with other matter, free from taint. I like Webster's thought of being unmixed with other matter. I believe that's exactly what God wants for us. God doesn't want us mixed with the patterns of this world. What might it mean to be mixed with the patterns of this world? Today, our world worships sex and flaunts the body. In the Garden of Eden, God covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. In the Bible, nakedness is almost always associated with shame. Perhaps God does not agree with the standards of this world. Let's also look at the way people of our nation deal with laws and with those in authority. We need to note that the core of our laws come from God's laws. If you want a taste of the lawlessness that covers our land today, just go for a drive in town or on the highway, either will do. Notice how few people do not exceed the maximum speed limit posted. What about stopping at stop signs, especially when other cars are not close by? I worked for a farmer out past Havland. Stop signs weren't a thing there. They just whoosh, right on through. And how are our police being treated in the cities nowadays? How does God feel about this? Romans 13, 1 through 7, Titus 3, 1, and 1 Peter 3, 22 all tell us that God wants us to obey those in authority over us and to do so willingly so that we can bring honor to God. Now about being blameless. I have heard blameless explained as not being led into sin and not leading into sin. Let me say that again. Blameless means not being led into sin and not leading into sin. That would mean we are not resisting God at some point in our lives. Let's take a look at a closer look at not being led into sin and not leading into sin. Scripture tells us to obey those in authority over us 
and to do so willingly. To ignore what God says about this is sin. My kids are still good observers of what I do. Could I be teaching them speeding, breaking the law by doing so is okay? I know I'm stepping on a whole bunch of toes. Could that be leading into sin? It's taking God and a lot of practice for me to actually stay at or below the posted speed limit. Let me tell you, if you're driving down at 65, the natural desire is to drive no slower than 66. Dropping down to 65 is a major trauma in life. Dropping under 65 to 64 is totally unheard of. Could cause nervous breakdown. What about what I expose myself and my family to on TV, in the movies, on the internet? And am I saying to my family that the morals on the program that I watch and allow them to watch are okay? Am I led into sin by what I watch? And am I leading my children into sin by what I allow them to watch? And what about my relationships, especially with my own family and God's family? Am I holding a grudge? Am I I talking down fellow Christians behind their back? Even if I seem to have good reasons for not forgiving and good reasons to let others know that that person is in the wrong, what kind of example am I setting? Am I led into sin? Am I leading into sin? God loves us enough to accept us as we are when we come to him. But he also loves us enough to purify us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts us, points to things in our lives that displease God. As Paul has said, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. This includes purifying our hearts, our thoughts, our intentions. He will keep this up until we are not led into sin. And if we are not led into sin, then we aren't leading into sin. If we do not yield some aspect of our lives to God, it is not only hurting us, but it's hurting those around us. Sin never affects just one person. If we are unyielding to God, we can be leading someone else into sin, even a loved one. So let's sum this up. Just as there was a deep love between Paul and the Philippian church, there should be a deep love between us and God and between us as Christians. That love can grow and more and more by getting to know God on a deeper level, by looking beyond the surface, penetrating deep into the things of God. Such will enable us to test the things of this life, and choose the best. The result will be a pureness of life, 
not being trapped by sin that hinders those around us from following in Jesus' footsteps. Last, we look at being filled with the fruit of righteousness. If we divide the word righteousness out, we really come up with right-wiseness. A being right with God, acting more and more like Jesus. All this comes through Jesus Christ. What for? So that God can receive glory and praise because of the transformation that has happened and is happening in each of us. We all have the choice to honor God with our lives or to honor ourselves. Honoring ourselves comes naturally in our world, and honoring God can have a cost. Even if we choose to honor God, we can fail. Fall flat on our faces in the mud. If we fail, the Holy Spirit rolls us over, wipes the mud out of our eyes so that we can see Jesus. And after looking at Jesus for a while, we're able to get up and try again. And again. And even again. If we choose to honor ourselves, it could cost us a whole lot more in the long run. And we can find ourselves very empty on the inside, even when we appear to be full on the outside. So choose to begin or to strengthen that love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Just as prayer can begin your adventure with Jesus, many prayers can keep it growing. Let's close with prayer. Father, we come in Jesus' name. You are our God. You love us so much. You loved us while we were yet sinners. That's when Jesus died. You call to our hearts. You know that we're just humans. And uh, that's why you have such big grace. You pour this grace out on us. And we just thank you for that. I pray that your spirit would be with each of us this week, that we would take uh, another step. Another step forward in trying to know more about you and trying to look deeper into the things of God so that our love might abound more and more in you. And I pray that if we have something that we're holding against another, especially in your church, that we would re-examine our lives and see where we need to let go of that and maybe ask forgiveness. Just pray that your spirit would wrap your love around us this week, each of us. Help us in the points where we really, really need you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.